to episode 16 of Craggy Island Rugby game 16 as well and we're competing with the loudspeakers as we usually are Alan will be taking over in a couple of minutes time alongside William in the clan turret but I'm here now we've got about 45 minutes to kick off lads biggest game of the season we've said that a few times this is the biggest game of the season oh, by, by a long shot especially after the last two games and coming out with defeats when there was a, a victory possible um, yeah huge game yeah and it's a real proper 100% sports going evening the wind and rain how down from the Bohemore end, uh, Munster out practicing and sort of testing out the wind, and I think they're as baffled now as they were when they started 20 minutes ago. People piling in, huge, huge game. This is must win for Connacht. All right, the reason why I wasn't listening to a thing you both said there is uh, James Heaslip, who uh, does the stadium announcing here, was on the phone to me to tell me what way Connacht are playing. They've won the toss and they're playing against the wind into the Bohemore end. Oh, I, I agree with that though. You defend it first and then you see what you can build. I don't know. Munster will come out. This is the first time I've seen Munster pick their best team and have them on the field at the start as against having them on the bench. That Their bench doesn't look as strong as they would normally have here. Um, I'd like to have seen us play with the win, keep them in their half, get a few points on the board and see what we could do in the second half. I agree 100% with Alan. I think that's a very strange decision because you're handing a huge advantage. They're taking all the advertising hoardings down here because they're blowing over. The tackle bags are blowing away and uh, Connacht could play 80% of this half in their own 22 and against a side like Munster who play the way they do that's just setting up their game plan Alright, I disagree, I think they can defend it and they can build on it in the second half Seems right, Alan you take over from here that's it. I will indeed Okay, William, we're 22 minutes into the game, 13 nil down, not looking good. No, it's, uh, the, the decision to, to play into this wind was, was madness when they made it, and it's been exacerbated by the fact that the wind has got up. It's just giving Munster uh, position all the time, and we've made a an awful number of errors again, similar to the last two matches, and it's just set Munster up to play the type of rugby they like. We're running in treacle at the moment, and um, this is going to be—it's going to be a comeback of Lazarus proportions required here. It is indeed. We'll talk again at halftime. Okay, William. Halftime. It's 16 points to seven. Munster lead. A great try from Connacht to bring them back into the game, but they've just failed to score just on halftime, having just conceded a penalty a minute beforehand. Yeah, the penalty was a little bit disappointing because we had great possession inside the Munster 25. Um, sort of a half of two halves. The, the rain decreased 
and the wind uh, is still blowing and that seemed to settle Connacht down a little bit we have actually played reasonably well in the last 20 minutes Owen McKeown absolutely playing out of his skin and John Muldoon we've got the win now we just need to use it uh, exceptionally well yeah the ref got a bit of a boon there at half time I'm not sure not sure quite why because I think most of his contentious decisions were right from what I could see on the replays um, hopefully we won't see them being booed after the, after the game because we'll have won uh, yeah absolutely but no reason to boo the referee I don't think he's done much wrong there up after 62 minutes. Unbelievable. Well, it is just unbelievable. They've really dominated and completely controlled the second half. They've used the wind, some clever play, and uh, yeah, it's an amazing turnaround. I mean, it's unbelievable. should have played against the wind if it turns out he was right we were adamant that he was wrong that's unbelievable the wee man got it spot on that was just fantastic 13-0 down come back and win here 24-16 that was an amazing performance guts determination and some really high class rugby in the second half it was incredible John Muldoon was amazing Owen McKeown was amazing. The two centres were out of this world. Ali Muldowney and Quinn Rue were astonishing. Unbelievable game. Yeah, some of the uh, interplay between Bundy Aki and Robbie Henshaw, a couple of offloads there were just like something out of dreamland in the second half. And the guts and determination was just fantastic. Crowd and this ground is absolutely ready to explode. It's fantastic night. The sound of a sandmore <laughs> after a fantastic victory. <laughs> Alan Deegan. Yeah, I'm just disappointed we didn't kick on and get the bonus point. That's what Pat Lamb said. David. Yeah, given that we nilled the team nilled the team in the second half again, it is disappointing we didn't get that bonus point. But, you know, we'll learn from these games and we'll move them on to bigger and better things later on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, look, at the end of the day, we've got the win. It was a solid win. We didn't give them a bonus point. Not a bad afternoon's work. That monster team had to be beaten. Uh, let's stop this fricking. This is incredible. What a win. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, you know, a 13 0 down, you know, myself and William were bitching and moaning as we thought, this is crazy. Why were we playing against the wind, against that team? They're 13 0 up. They're moving on. You know, as you'd said, you said, no, it's okay. We'll hold them. I'm going, how are we going to hold them? Where are we going to hold them? But to try that piece of genius from the try because I'd been I'd been screaming at them. Geez, would someone kick the ball? Just dink it in behind. They were, their line was up so fast. 
but it was such a great dink brilliant catch unbelievable line of running from Ronaldson Henshaw Marmon indeed 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 sometimes you think kind of like they're playing a game where they've like got that two minute challenge you get in, in Madden NFL and you're like 16 <laughs> points you seem to be stepping up how much of a handicap can we give ourselves because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, been 8-11 yeah, yeah. now yeah, 13 yeah. against Munster um, two, there were two huge there, were, there was can, can I jump in there before you describe yeah. the try just to say you were talking about kicking Alan that started with a Robbie Henshaw grubber kick which yeah. was clever which meant that Zebo had to slide in Pullman almost got a boot to it and was away but that set the platform for the line out that got the try indeed indeed I mean the fact is that's the massive turning point of the game it's the university accepts I think John, John Mull accepts it Pat accepts it we definitely know Axel Foley accepts that was the turning point of the game um, it was just beautifully done We've been thinking we, we've been thinking balls in the past and have been hitting the ground, but that was the first one. Ronson just got it right, but it's the pace, and he's, we've taken out the entire the entire backline. Robbie's there, but Zebo is getting him. You, that would all have fallen down if Marmion doesn't make his run. It was three perfectly timed pieces of genius at the same time, sixteen nine. And the fact is, we could have gone in if. I mean, I don't mean to meet you, Rodney, but Rodney had one of those games from three years ago where he dropped everything. And if he hadn't dropped everything, we could have gone in only two points down because we were on the line. I think they got a boost from that. Monster thought, usual connect. You know, William's just joined us. William, we, you'll get to, we're getting straight into the meat and drink of this. Uh, usual connect, failed to deliver. You know, I think they got a boost. And boy, did they get a kick back then when the, as the wind, wind picks up here. Boy, did they get a kick back then when connect scored within, what, 90 seconds of the second half? Yeah, I think so. It was... Uh... We've said it all season. We we seem to be able to cope with these bad starts and these setbacks. I mean, a thirteen nil down to Munster. I've a couple of years ago, you, I thought tonight we were probably doomed. But a couple, of, a couple of years ago, you would have thought, oh my god, this is forty points. But we played our way back into the game and. To do that, you have to have a lot of faith in your own systems, and the players have to have faith in the guys around them. And they did. They just settled down and they started playing a pattern. And Munster, Munster are so predictable in the way they play. Um, and it worked against Leinster, so you know you, you, it's it's not a total failure. But I think it's you, they're not going to do anything unexpected. Let's just hear from Pat Lamb on the wind. We'll break up Pat Lamb's interview. This is just his thoughts about why he went against the wind and how he felt it played out. Just in terms of the first half, were you happy to start against the wind? And I suppose at some point early in that first half, you must have been wondering if you were happy when they were 13 points still down. No, I was, I was, I was quite happy. We, won, I was, we really wanted to win that toss mm. because all season we've come home strong. Mm. Um, even the last two games when we've seemed down and out, you know, and, and you know, teams in the past might have fallen away, we knew we'd come home strong. So um, we had a game plan into the wind and, and at times we did, but we, we executed it well, but we lost certain ball. And then, you know, obviously Dan was gutted with the forwards with that uh, Lennon and a, a defensive more try which we've been really good at this year but I knew it was about a 20 point win and um, uh, so coming at, uh, at half time uh, the key message number and, and getting that try which was, was you know straight off the training pitch was, 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 was for it's a coach's dream and then going at half time the key message was fellas a lot of teams make a mistake thinking we got the win now and it's going to be easy. We have to work doubly harder now. And um, and then we just highlighted, we wiped everything we'd done with the first game plan because it's into the win. And we just clearly highlighted what we needed to do on defence, some key um, uh, focus for us. And then our focus on our attack was not just kick, kick, but we knew they'll be tight around the edges. If we can work to the edges, if it's on to move it, let's keep keep engaging them and then put it through. And the boys did that well, you know. So was it? Uh, we knew if we gave them all the ball, we'll have to do a lot of tackling. But let's keep them tackling, and uh, you know, it uh, it came off. 
All right, we had our debate at the start, and fair enough. Uh, you know, I turned out to be right, but uh, after about uh, 15 minutes, I was kind of thinking to myself, oh, I got that wrong at 13 0. But look, Pat Lamb picked the team for a game. Uh, it's nearly getting to the stage where whatever Pat Lamb picks, we're just going to go, yeah, I think he knows what he's doing. Uh, yeah, it was a monster backline. Like, I think we only had one player in the backline, possibly two under six foot. Yeah. Um, That's why Ronson was at 10. That's why Leader was on the wing to cover the kicks. He even said before, and he's not even making it in the TG Carrier interview, I picked Daryl Leader because I think there's going to be a bit of kicking and I want him to counter that. Yeah, and he actually Daryl did very well. Like, he recovered the ball here after one of the kickoffs, um, you know, put them under a, a bit of pressure. We didn't do a whole hell of a lot at the time, but he was up for it. He did really well tonight after a not quite so good game the previous week. Mm. Um, but, you know, the, as you say, the, the guys believe in what they're doing. You can see that they believe in what they're doing. And Tom McCartney again was superb again tonight. A lot of lot of work in the background. The back row were amazing. Uh, two centres clicked at last. <laughs> it was only their second game, but you know they they looked absolutely astonishing. We'll have to have a Robbie Henshaw segment later. But just Pat Lamb, what he selected today, how it, how it played out. I mean, it helps that players like Quinn Rue and Ali Muldowney are in the best form of the season so far. Oh, I think it, I think he'll be very happy with the team he picked. Ironically enough, they didn't kick. They didn't kick to Dara, they didn't kick to Mills, they didn't kick to no. anybody. In fact, to be fair to Keatley, when he did kick in the second half, he really shouldn't have. Um, I think he'll be happy with the selection. I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that team. I mean, we thought it was going to be a 10-man grinder of a game, that it would be it would be very attritional, and to a certain degree it was. When they did kick, we were not in any trouble. But occasionally, I thought, in, I thought up in, in um, the RDS, I thought Mills missed a couple of balls, maybe lost them in the lights. So you thought they might exploit that. They thought they might exploit the fact that Dara is... Not as, he's not fast going backwards Danny is so you thought they'd exploit that they didn't which meant that everything we saw of Mills and Danny and, and Dara was positive um, I think we picked a team for, for a game that we thought was going to happen it didn't necessarily happen but it didn't seem to make any difference they picked a team for a game that they thought was going to happen it didn't happen and it really made a difference because God CJ Stander, we've said this, we didn't know CJ Stander was on the pitch until we realised that Paddy Butler was, was still on. Yeah, JJ on, yeah. Hanrahan comes up in conversation in the 78th minute. Andrew Conway gets one ball and is immediately substituted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we picked a team. Howard that could was cope. out there, wasn't he? We picked a team that could cope with whatever happened, and the boys did. Yeah, it didn't quite, I mean, it, the opposition didn't quite play the way Pat had selected for. But we coped. They simply couldn't seem to handle what we did, especially in the second half. The one thing they did handle early on and played a key part in them leading 13 points to nil was the breakdown. They turned us over. Paul O'Connell had a monster turnover. Peter Mahoney had a monster turnover. Tommy O'Donnell threw himself around. And we were looking world class back row. This could really catch us. And their mall was amazing. Well, it was monster being monster. Mm. Uh, and they've come here so often and done that with lesser players. Mm. Um, but tonight, I, I go back again 13 nil down. They, maybe they thought they could coast this one. They thought, yeah, look, we're here. The crowd's excited. We've silenced the crowd. They didn't silence the crowd. The crowd started screaming and shouting even more. And then we played our way back in, and we've done this all season. And then at half time, whatever the hell goes on in that dressing room at half time, we have to we have to get a spy in there to find out what the hell he says at half time. Because whether it's analysis or he shows them something on a video or he just shouts at them, I don't know, but they come out in the second half, I know they had the wind but they were so much more confident and organised, and Munster really didn't have, didn't seem to have a plan they, they kicked a little bit, and a couple of the kicks were okay, and then they decided, no, we're going to pass the ball and then we were all over them, and to keep them scoreless in the second half, I know they were pounded on the line at the end, but even that, that was all a little bit of one-up rugby. You don't expect that from Munster. You expect it to be a little bit more organised and a bit more direct. It's going to be interesting to see like how teams start to 
to look at Connacht, Alan, they're going to be like, God, get 12, 15 nil up on this team, they're still not beaten. We're going to become harder and harder to play as this goes on. We are. And, and we're probably there already. Well, we're there already. And, and, and part of it comes from the fact that the lineup has become absolutely incredible. It's, it's just solid. Like, they were throwing the ball to the back. That was a massive wind out there mm. tonight, and we were still throwing the ball. I think we only overthrew one. one. Astray, only yeah. one went astray, but we, I think we got at least two or three to the back of the line-out. The rest of them, Muldowney's been astonishing since he's come in as, uh, at the line-out. And I'm not sure McCartney's skills are... Or he's not a pure hooker, because he's a, he's, a he's a lock as well, or sorry, he's a prop as well. Mm. But, you know, his starts are fantastic. Oh, yeah, but, you know, it's Hen- probably down to Muldowney and Rue as well. Like. Well, there's, there's an element of that. The timing is really good. And, and when um, Heffern and Command didn't make any difference, so, no. you know, they, they, they've got it right. Whatever was going wrong about four weeks ago, five weeks ago, they fixed. And it's now right. And now they're, you know, we can play a game like tonight. We can get the ball. It goes into touch. We're going to get it back. Indeed. I mean, it's, it's, ridic- it, it's remarkable because, as we said, we... we We've seen the Eagles as well, and we thought it was a systematic failing because every Eagles hooker was having the same problems throwing it in. McCartney's come in, and the first couple went wrong, and they, they were still having a few problems. And then two weeks ago, whatever they did in the win-up discussions, bang, it's all gone right. And it's not just Rue, and it yeah, is Rue and It's Rue and Muldowney, but also the Owen has gone up for balls, yeah. Mull has gone up for balls. And it's it's still not it's still not perfect. It's far from perfect. But they're now going. We are making spectacular grabs, and they're coming down on our side yeah. of the of the line. As this thing from before, where it was we were trying to make spectacular grabs, and it was going on their side of the line. Yeah, and the the other thing tonight was Munster contested. I would say. 95% of our lineouts, and they've got Paul O'Connell who's reckoned to be one of the best lineout stealers in the world they obviously had thought yep the lineout is targetable it wasn't an issue and even the loose ball was tidied up and that helps a lot when mm. sometimes you get bad lineout ball and you have to clean it up very quickly we did that tonight we've been guilty a couple of times particularly uh, I thought in the way to Leinster where we didn't clean up the bad ball but tonight it, it was almost seamless. It was sorted out, move it on. Yeah, Muldani had a rob off uh, O'Connell in the second half. There was one of those cameo, you won't forget it moments like. Yeah, yeah, and, but you also have a back row, a proper back row, a proper six, a proper eight, a proper seven. Which currently, if you put it, it we're connector five from five when they do that, four from four with that particular combination, Petrohean in, in the first game is five from five. Is yeah. that a case? That could be a case of horses for courses. <laughs> I don't know. If you've got a proper open side, a proper blind side, and a number eight, who's able to do what he wants, it's 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 perfect. You know that you you can everything else. Now that comes from the fact that they're playing off front football too. You've got a front five who are giving them really good solid ball. We were, we were calling this. We were way in ahead of the uh, ahead of the posse in this. We were calling it long before he was doing big, huge line breaks. He's ruining his reputation. Now. He is totally ruining his reputation. Yeah. He actually put a hand off. I don't know who he fended off, but he pushed. He ran over a guy. Yeah, uh, he can't be that kind of stuff. He has to do the quiet work. No, 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 no. Um, in, against Leicester, I thought we were static. I thought when we were getting the ball at the backs and the guys were picking it, it was static. And I mean, we could have and should have won that game. A couple of mm, decisions. Uh, uh, Ulster, again, seemed to be when we had the ball, we were a little bit static, a little bit static. Today, God, it was po- it almost like poetry in motion, but my God, it was perpetual motion. Everybody was moving. Except yeah. for the first 10 minutes. You know, it just seemed yeah. to take a while to get going, but when it got going. And it, there was a spell maybe after Keatley's penalty for 10 minutes, from 15 minutes to 25th minutes, when we started to get the motions going. I think that's when the crowd started going as well. Yeah, it was, but if you weren't here, you probably don't realise the conditions. I've been coming here for a long time. The first 20 minutes tonight is as bad as anything I've ever seen at the sports ground, Mm. with the rain and the wind. And we'd obviously elected to play into this. Mm -hmm. 
decision was proved right, Rob. Yeah, I'm not saying anything. I didn't say anything. No problem. I get no. one right a season and I might bask No problem at all. We'll give you that one. But I actually think it almost shocked Connacht a bit. And then they settled in. The other thing about Rue is, I just wonder, is he one of these guys that maybe he doesn't have a great deal of self-confidence in himself because when he started here he oh, yeah. he was a little bit anonymous I get the impression now he really feels part of this setup yeah. and part of this team and he was taking a lot of responsibility he took responsibility in the line-out tonight he took responsibility at the breakdown and when he was carrying the ball he really was looking to make the gain line and that comes from fitting in it must be a big shock for a player when he's sort of at a province like Leinster or a team like Leinster and is then told, uh, tell you what, we're, we're shifting you on because we don't really think you're good enough. Well, he's proved it tonight. I, I actually, I know Robbie Henshaw was man of the match, but I, I would have said uh, Quinn Rue or Owen McEwan would have been my two. I know they were both off before the end. Young, what an engine. And Muldowney as well. That's and Muldowney was. And Muldoon. That, that Muldoon, Muldoon's passed to Conway. <laughs> as, he, as Conway tried to bring him into touch, and Muldoon passed him the ball, so Conway ended up with the ball. Into touch was just genius. And, uh, and the thing about that was the crowd actually picked up on that. And that. Yeah. Just lifted the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was just that was that's a sort of a magical little moment here. You can have it. No, no, you're in touch. Oh, we've got the line out. <laughs> yeah, another just another thing on Quinn Rue. The time he did make the break and got through. What I was most pleased by, as soon as he got into open space, he looked for support. He didn't just try and run over someone. He, he, looked, he like looked like a centre. He he but he look also like looked forward, to yeah. see, he wanted to someone else to finish it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knew he wasn't going to be able to, yeah. so he did look for it. He did try and find someone. Unfortunately, everyone was quite surprised he'd gone so far. <laughs> but, you know, he said we still retained the ball. We still got the ball back. I think we eventually scored from Ronaldson. It was that at that point. Is, is he here for the rest of the season? Do we know? Oh, I think so. Well, he would have been gone back. I think it was, if he was to go back, we'd have gone to South Cooney. We'd probably have gone back yesterday. Yeah. So the chances are they're here. It's still not set in stone. I think there is a bit of a, there's a rumour, I think we've all heard it, yeah. about what might happen next season. We'll wait and address that, we'll, which, yeah, we'll which that we'll do, we'll do that. Yeah. But um, I think if we have him to the end of the season, fantastic. Because, I mean, you can see, and I think, I think you're right in the sense that he is someone who's confident in how he's playing and the fact that he's getting regular game time. And the fact is, is he's out of, he's out of the Dublin sort of, you know, sniper, sniper, sniper shot sets because they just went after him. And he's down here and he can be vaguely anonymous as far as Dublin's concerned. And he can play against confidence back and play well and realise he is a good player. He's only and, 24 too. And we've got one of the best forwards coaches in... In world rugby, I would put it at this stage now, because you look at Connacht have been competitive for 10 years with Dan there, no matter what we've had, and here he is again, and we're just kicking on. He fixed that liner problem, and he's uh, got a captain in that pack who did his province proud. He walked across that pitch to the far side as slowly and as proudly as any man has ever walked across the pitch. He just he looked the warrior that he was today, so let's hear from John Muldoon. I think it was a good battle. Um, we obviously watched um, watched the Leinster game last week, and they really took them on up front. And um, we knew if that was the key thing we were trying to push all week. We've got to be physical. We've got to match them up front. And if we do that, we knew we have quality out the back line to be able to uh, cause them trouble. And um, I think it was a pretty even battle in the first half. Maybe Munster shaded a slight little bit, but second half we probably got on top, and we. Um, probably through, as I said earlier, a little bit of um, spreading the workload between the backs and forwards. And it, it, it's a tough place to come 
time play, especially when the crowd get going there in the second half. Um, they really lifted us because we needed it because we were running on empty there for the last 10 minutes. I looked up at 68 minutes. I thought the clock was wrong. I was like, Jesus, <laughs> there can't be 12 more minutes left. So um, we needed that lift in the second half and it was brilliant to get. So um, hopefully we'll get 8,000 more people here on Friday night against Edinburgh. Monster, uh, we'll hear from Anthony Foley in a second. Before we do, start with you, Alan. Yeah, the, the, there was talk during the week, and, and Flannery confirmed it that they trained on the 4G pitch because they were looking towards Saracens. And you just wonder, did they, you know, they got 13 0 up here and then turned the Saracens mode? Because we were talking about it before there, you know, I, I hadn't realised Hanrahan was on the pitch until that 78 minute. And I went, oh, Hanrahan's on the pitch. Yeah. You know. I, like, I actually, because I know JJ Hanrahan, but for a second there in the commentary, because you're so zoned into who you're talking about, I was like, that's JJ Hanrahan, of course it is. You know? <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was incredible. And the same with CJ Stander, we mentioned that too, that, you know, they, they, they just seemed to, they got the 13 nil up, they were way ahead of us. We were all over, 20 minutes in, myself and William did our 20 minutes, and we were pretty depressed about the whole thing. Um, because they looked as though they'd just decided that's it game's now over we'll move on they just did I don't think they were ready for what we did to them I I just wonder if he might have been if he did he feel obliged to play the the Irish players this week because his, he had a team that had just beaten Leinster. Now, okay, it wasn't. It was an understrength Leinster team, but those boys would have been flying with confidence. They scored three tries. Now, again, it's down in Limerick, so maybe that take that into account. But as I say, there were two. He would be fuming within us. It was the same. If Paulie's not there, if Peter Armani's not there, if Tommy O'Donnell's not there, who stands up for this team? I mean, Keatley had an okay start, but then disappeared. Williams was was terrible. Well, was was poor. Hanrahan and Camp. Pat Howard must be thinking what have I signed up for I'm never going to see the ball so I think they've got a lot more work and I think possibly needs to look at the, the team that started against Leicester maybe they should have had more of those guys in but if you do have Paulie and Peter would you leave them out <laughs> just one last point about the, the, the fact that I went back and checked Connacht have always got a minimum of a bonus point at this time of year at home against Munster that's their second win now and five bonus points so like we've always been there thereabouts when we play them at home when we play down there at this time of year not, <laughs> not so good but at home there's something about us playing them at this time of year that's pretty cool Anthony Foley Muldoon was saying, you know, Connick probably got the balance a little bit better than Munster did in terms of playing against the wind. Would you have liked to retain possession a little bit more in that second half? Yeah, you got to you got to look at maintaining possession without um, without coughing it up in those areas because if you can't get out of those areas. Um, you, you know, you, you end up. We needed to score at one stage, so we, we we moved it a bit more. But you look at a couple of times we went back and we kicked the ball out in the front, out in the full. So that just shifted momentum in the game as well. This Pro 12 is just getting tougher, isn't it? Yeah, a great win over Leinster, huge mm. amount of momentum. Now you come here and you meet a Gondic side there on the up. Yeah, look, um, all the Irish sides are all the, like we talk about it um, all year. You know, the derby matches, the interpros are are very tough. You know, and um, we all know each other quite well, and you know, we all want to get one over each other and uh, Connacht uh, got a number in us tonight When Anthony Foley was being interviewed Lynn Deneen asked him a few questions and Lynn knows him better than all of us so Lynn decided you know what three questions enough but Rob came in and asked him three more but in fairness you know we gave the best honest assessment and while he didn't you know wax lyrical about comics he gave him a good bit of praise as well Yeah it was, I've seen some very upset coaches primarily Connacht coaches in there but um, he was not happy he was not happy he seemed deflate actually he wasn't angry or he no, seemed deflated wasn't Sean Lynn type grumpy it was oh, or, or certain again <laughs> or, or Matt O'Connor, O'Connor yeah. 
system. Um, I just felt he was very flat. I thought he felt very deflated. I think if we look at look ahead to next week, I think the win for us. We're going up against Edinburgh now, who on paper this is one of the, which, is, which makes me slightly on edge. Is this is one of the games we should win? Mm-hmm. But the confidence coming off this, and we saw the confidence coming out when the boys went when the B, the B team. Jesus, I never thought I'd say that when the B team won in uh, Bayonne. The confidence is being built and built and built, and, we, and for us, I think this builds into momentum. I wonder if this is going to be very deflating in terms of they had most of the big boys out and they couldn't put it away, especially when they were pounding on the line for ten minutes. You're teeing up the final part of the podcast. Can we go on to Robbie Henshaw? But before you go. I just want to say something about the Edinburgh game, which is just a little aside on uh, Stevens's day when I had nothing better to do. I switched on uh, BBC Alba, Glasgow, and uh, Edinburgh's game. Dave did as well. No, I did the Munster Leinster game with BBC Alba commentary, which was fascinating. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What what was really interesting was I mean Alan Solomon's is coaching at Edinburgh. Um, He's almost become a sort of a joke figure. He's you know, but there was something I had. I haven't really seen in a rugby context. I've seen it plenty of times in soccer. When a player is substituted and he comes off, usually they manage to grin and bear it. But I don't know who the player was, but at some stage quite late in the game, he took the winger off and replaced him with a tiny scrum half. And the guy coming off the pitch absolutely lost it. He was chucking his water bottle around and waving his arms. And eventually one of the backroom guys got a hold of him, put the big hoodie coat on him and sort of dragged him off. They looked a pretty bedraggled outfit. Uh, that game was in Glasgow. They play this 1872 Cup, which is... Tonight, right? as we record. No, it's tomorrow, actually. Oh, okay. It's on BBC Alba as well, if you really want to watch it. Um, and they do all their interviews in English, but then the commentary is in Scotch Gaelic. But um, it just... I, I think Glasgow will have too much for them in Edinburgh. They'll win this trophy on aggregate, and then they'll get presented with it in front of whatever number of small number of thousand people turn up in, in Murrayfield. They are ready to be sliced and diced here. That's why Connick need a big crowd here again. I think they might get a big crowd. I hope they do because this is, these are the games where if you're listening, folks, and if you're a bit of a fan, and most people listening here are going to be there anyways. But you know, just spread the word, get the crowds out. Sorry, on the subject of big crowds again, why are we playing Treviso on the day we play England in the Six Nations? Oh. Fifteen minutes after that game finishes. This isn't, this isn't get all the things off your chest moment, William. This is coming later. Um, <laughs> well, it is actually, uh, <laughs> but you can always edit it out. There is a. There is a there Another sim- them any other business? This is the last home game in the league until March. Oh God, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So we we must go out on a winning note, and we we should I mean we should beat these boys. Whether we can I mean, then we then we go exit the following week. Now we're not playing at home. I think until the, like the last week in February, the first week of March. So there's, there's six weeks where we're not at home. We need a big crowd here simply because. We want to go this season unbeaten at home. I don't think any club has ever done. I might stand very open to correction on that. I'm sure someone has, but I don't know if any, so we certainly haven't. So I think in terms of getting and Boston, the boys feed off the crowd. The crowd feeds off the boys. We need a big crowd here next week, irrespective of who the opposition is. Can we talk about Robbie Henshaw for a second? First of all, man of the match. Leaving that aside, because the man of the match award, we know what we think about that. He was one of many players who played superbly well. Someone has to get off the pitch. <laughs> there we go. Job done. <laughs> well done. And leaving that aside, Henshaw, the, the room are starting you know going to Leinster next season who's coming in return the Leinster Leinster boys candy I'm getting distracted here yeah no, he's, <laughs> gone, no, he's gone he's gone God, yeah. he's not even taking his clothes off <laughs> <laughs> no I think like the, the, the Henshaw rumours have been going around for a while I think they started as soon as you signed Bundyaki they started but it's starting to get really really you know the, the, the Leinster site is more or less confirmed as far as they've 
they've gone it's it's a done deal um, you go on to the this is the fan site these are the fans rumours so these are all rumours but you know a lot of these rumours tend to tend to become real somewhere along the way um, you know it's it's hopefully he won't leave hopefully he'll see it tonight and realise why, why do I have to why would I want to yeah, it's a big statement tonight to, for Robbie to be the key man. And it's, a, it's a big statement, but I think something has to be nailed along the lines. At least, I mean, I, I don't think, I think they're just, I think they're hoping it's wish fulfillment. That if they say it often enough, then it will happen. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. But why did they, like, it's just, it's an endless series of questions from, from, you know, from people based in Dublin constantly just cannot even comprehend I'm going to win him and get back to you Dave on that. I cannot even comprehend how this could be any other question should be asked about Connacht other than when's Robbie going? Absolutely and I'm sick of it. Look yeah. they've got their school's cup, they've got their junior school's cup, they've got their Leinster Academy it, two, two Leinster Academies Alright, two Leinster Academies they are the 16 county team or whatever it's called they're panicking they want a ready made player and they've spotted him here and it's going to be a big job for somebody to get inside his head and say what do you, A, what do, what do you want to do and then B, what do Ireland want you to do Joe Schmidt's going to be key here isn't he he's uh, got to tell him listen I like what you're doing there and once that happens because Robbie I think Robbie will be better off here with the rugby he'll be able to play in the few games he'll be available for us anyways well that, that's the other issue we, we, we're learning the hard way I mean we snigger a little bit about the other provinces, but they, they, they're used to managing the fact that internationals just disappear. Mm. Next season, with the World Cup, players are going to be disappearing at the end of this season. They're not going to see any of these guys till maybe December. Maybe it might be January. Mm. You don't know. So he has to think very, very hard. But I, I'm concerned because they're starting to talk about, well, we're going to give you Dominic, Dominic Ryan. Ryan and it, it's maybe always... Quinn Roo at some point. <laughs> yeah, maybe even Quinn Roo. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. yeah, that's not a bad combination. But when I'm worried about Dave and Den Allen, I'm worried about the symbolism of this. A superstar, an absolute hero, totally homegrown, immediately shifted the second he shows any sort of promise to a team that needs him. It won't uh, it, look good. It, it, even if It stinks. It absolutely stinks. And the fact is, I'm coming back to Madigan and JJ Hammerhand. They want to move players who've got a future in the career, who are not getting game time, who are being absolutely shafted by their coaches. Move Hanrahan, move Madigan. And if you don't do it, then you're basically, you're, it's just, it's tokenism. We move Henshaw because he's, we need him at Leinster. Well, first of all, uh, if I was Brendan Macken, I'd be out. I'd be gone. Screw you. I'd be out the door saying, I've been playing 13, I've been the guy that's been there while all the others have been off, and I would walk. Look, Fitzgerald, the performance so, he put yeah. in the last day yeah. alongside Noel Reed. You, a world class performance. You'd, you'd walk. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, so we say, oh, well, we'll bring Robbie and we'll move Luke on the swing. So Dara Fanning, why don't I walk? Because Dara Fanning's had a huge season this year. They, I mean, they don't get it. They, their under 20s came down here, and their under 20s were fabulous and hammered us. Their under 19s came down the same day and hammered us. They have a lot of lads coming through because they have a school system that is borderline it was as good as the Welsh was in the 60s and 70s they don't need to be taking guys from Maris Nathlone or from any of the college schools you have your own voice because ultimately what this comes down to is an absolute lack of faith in your own system that's how we read it and if you can't, if Leicester can't cop onto that if you want a ready-made 13 go down to South Africa go pick Conrad Smith he's retiring from the All Blacks be quite happy to go to move over to Leicester for a year and bring through one of your own boys instead of nicking and cherry-picking as well and also if they really wanted to pick someone go get Olding from go get Olding from Ulster. See how quickly you'd be slapped out of the place. And not not to mention Marmion. 
Yeah, they're going to go after. Well, we say there could be a there's a push to go after Marmion. Well, if you look at their two their two scrum halves are 36 and 37, or some eight and two, two two very old scrum halves, and we've got Cooney down here, you know. Lancer, Paul Marshall not getting games because Pienaar's there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like plenty of ready-made solutions, and and I guess the other point is one one point I want to raise with you. We've been praiseful of the IRFU for the huge investment they gave in Connacht in terms of allowing yeah. from Oliena to come in and just waving that debt. And Bundyaki. So so will they they'll undo all the good work if they just shift Henshaw on before his contract ends and just in a kind of a, at a whim almost yeah like it's as as Dave was saying like it, it, it undermines the everything that's coming through in Leinster it's a bit like England England keep you know they've got the biggest player base in the world and yet they keep going to the South Sea Islands and they keep going to various places looking for players you think well, you've got the biggest player base in the world if you have a decent system that's doing, the, doing its job properly it'll just generate the guys you need you don't need to go outside it if Leinster start doing that with the system they have what's it going to say to all the guys underneath how is it, how is it going to affect all the, the coaches who are there going why, well, why am I doing this what's the point what's the point in having a second academy you know where where, where are we going with all this? And then it sort of was it saying to all the Connacht lads, well, you know, Connacht's still only a development side. Yeah, here we are. It's two home wins against Leinster and Munster this year, and two win, two two games up against Ulster and Leinster. We should have got a bonus point against Leinster, and we've got one against Ulster. So we are now competitive in the Interpros. One more segment from Pat Lamb because it's re- relevance today. First of all, this is a historic win for Connacht. I mean, the sense that you must get now of, of breaking something that is a trend that has been really hard for Connacht to break. Only one win in 28 years, but a huge home win here. Yeah, you know, I'm following from, you know, beating Leinster here too, and, and uh, it's, 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 it's massive. You know, and, and in the context of where we are in the table, if you look at the season, you know, doing it early on is one thing, but doing it when it really counts is, is another. And, you know, I, um, I my team talked before we went out. I just talked to. Them, I just said, "Well, I believe we're going to win this game. I really do." And I and I told them the reasons why, based on what we've been doing. And and when we we were absolutely gutted, we lost the Leinster and Ulster games. And and at the review of those games, we highlighted all the opportunities of things we missed. And all of that uh, frustration for the team was channeled into our prep for this week. We we knew the conditions were going to be like that, and we prepared and we selected accordingly, and we put a lot of work into it. And um, um, but you know, without doing too overworking it, because we knew well, the boys needed full tank to, to fight a strong Munster side, and mate, they delivered it to a tee. And um, you know, while the defence at the end was unbelievable, I was at the back there. I was just I was trying not to run on the field myself, and uh, but I was just just watching guys get up, and, and that was great for us. But probably the disappointing thing, we should have been at the other end trying to go for that bonus point. I know we got a penalty and, and we were, um, you know, the boys didn't take the shot. They would put it in the corner to try and nail it to get the, the fourth try because that's number one goal is to get the points. Um, but yeah, p- proud of those guys. This question is in the context of an environment that I don't want to get into, but you know, talking about where the future of Connacht players are. But what I want to ask you is, does it mean that a little bit more to you that the game was so good tonight, the quality was so good, the tries were so good? I know you just want to win to start first and foremost, yeah. but Connacht are on national TV playing great rugby with their young players. Yeah, it is. It means a lot because you know I had a vision when I came here on the game plan, and people asked me. I think you guys asked me at the beginning, what sort of game? I don't want to be known as a running team or a kicking team or whatever. I want us to be comfortable doing whatever it takes and uh, to win a game and um, and then when you have those sort of conditions to do that we have to improve as players which is why I brought Dave Ellis to improve their skills and then you know we know what Dan does with the forwards and then Andre come over to do the work with the backs and the kicking because then rugby in December and January when I played over here is a lot different from rugby at the start of the season and rugby which we're going to get into so you've got to be able to be comfortable playing in, in, in different styles and um, you know for us to uh, uh, improve our skills come out there and play a game 
game and we balanced that well from going hard through the middle, going around the edges to moving the ball to, you know, our kick chase game, our defence, all of those things we've been working on for the last uh, season and a half and uh, and, and we've got to continue to work, we, we, we can't get comfortable and I, the reason I had belief at the start of this game was, um, I, I just said to boys, is, uh, is on the work we do and it's just channeling the frustration and the, and the keenness of, uh, of our crowd here into doing our jobs, um, mate, we can do amazing things. Final thoughts, lads. Got to wrap this podcast up. William, first up. 7745. Tonight's attendance, and that was the attendance. Yeah, there was yeah. actually 7745 people here making a hell of a lot of noise. And a lot of the comics were there. It wasn't just Monster fans making up the numbers. That was, there was very few. Yeah, vastly very few, outnumbered. Yeah, very few numbers. Compared to any other year, we've had, we've had that big numbers. Yep, and I hope somebody up in wherever the IRFU headquarters are are watching that. And we're not going to get that for the Edinburgh game, but we need a lot of them here, and we need them here for the Treviso game, even though it kicks off 15 minutes after the England game finishes on March the 1st, and somebody needs to have a long think about that. Thank you, William. Uh, well, we got 5,000 for Zebra, and nobody else is going to get 5,000 for Zebra. Um, I want I want to say something about David Wilkinson. I thought he was grand. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was grand. Agreed. But I think his touch judges were terrible. I think we've got to a situation where there was so much going on at the Rock. I mean, we saw it. There was stuff that Wilkinson was looking straight at, and he's still not seeing all the stuff. He cannot look judge the offside line and look at everything that's going on at the Rock. Something has to be done about touch judges taking care of the offside line. It would kill us. It would absolutely kill us. Why don't they do it? It's not that difficult to do. It's the only thing. Have the touch judge on that side, look at the offside line because it's not fair to ask David Wilkinson to physically have eyes in the back of his head to chase where the offline line is whilst looking at the 900 million things that can go wrong in the rook. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just, but actually, to be fair to him, apart from the fact he looks about 12, he had a, he had a very good game. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I should say, yeah, podcast can't relate this, but the lads were nodding enthusiastically with your point there. Alan, well, your the reason being, we had, our, we had our, which will now become a bit of a tradition, a dinner before we came out oh, here. We put tonight. that up in picture on our, our, yeah, our yeah. podcast website, yeah. Um, where, our Facebook know. page. Oh, gives me a chance to link to all that. Uh, yeah, you oh, can. Yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't actually invited to the dinner. Oh, who wasn't, oh, Dave wasn't invited to dinner. Oh, that's awkward. Oh, uh, will we pretend we, 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 Danny's we'll, in the picture? We'll bring, we'll bring Dave in. We'll bring Dave in the next time. I'll just mention it to my wife. Can she can, can just chat. Can you not just sort of Photoshop, Photoshop him yeah. in? Perfect. I'm not, I'm not taking Danny's place. He was there. He earns his right to be on the pitch for the meal at the time, so he deserves to be there. <laughs> Back to this again. Oh, yeah, listen, folks. At Craggy Rugby Pod is our Twitter account. Follow it. We need followers. Uh, go to the iTunes website and like our podcast and comment on it uh, only if you have good things to say don't comment on us and uh, you couldn't well, no, possibly no, be listening like this far into the podcast no, no, and be no, criticising us we criticism we have to learn how yeah, to get better we, we, need, we, need, we need commentary on, on it because it's what boosts up, up the podcast chart so we appreciate that and there's a Facebook page just search Craggy Island Rugby and Alan you were doing final thoughts uh, you've lost me now oh yeah 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 Dave was mentioning the fact the offside line we had that discussion where we talked about the fact that and I think I think Jerry Torney mentioned that at some stage before. It would make a huge difference to how the game is played. If the if the lines, what else are they doing? Let them let the let the ref do the thing, and we'll get the offside line right. More attacking rugby, better game. Love it. Two final thoughts on the same topic. That's how important this is. Listen, I, I look at the clock here. We have a minute and eight seconds left. Uh, what a day for Connacht rugby. We've beaten Munster for the second time in 28 years. It's absolutely fantastic. It, it? was because it was a must-win game. 
Pat Lamb could have spun it any way he wanted if he'd lost that game, if we'd got a bonus point, if we hadn't got a bonus point, we would have done this and we'd done that. The truth was, today, we had to win. You draw a line in the sand, it didn't matter who the hell we were playing, we had to win. We won, we played well in the second half, and that's all that matters. Absolutely. Great finish. Thanks, guys. Yeah.